0: Returning now to Mark, no, oh, we were in Mark last week. In Mark's Gospel, encounters with women usually signify turning points in Jesus's ministry. Here, a conversation with a Syrophoenician woman marks the beginning of his mission to the Gentiles. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the tw- seventh chapter, beginning with the twenty-fourth verse. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice, but a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Seraphonician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought him to a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, fa," that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. The Gospel of the Lord. So following. Jesus' admonitions against placing traditions over God and the commandments of God that we read last week, Jesus sets out again and begins his mission to the Gentiles, though that wasn't actually his intention. Some notes about this setting, the physical locations of all this. Mark 6, which we read way back in July, so I don't expect any of you to remember, begins with Jesus arriving in his hometown, remember, Nazareth. And later in that same chapter, after walking on water, he and the disciples moor their boat in Gennesart, about 25 miles away, if you're walking modern routes. Uh, so Gennesart, nearish Capernaum, and on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, was an important city in the Bronze and Iron Ages, but today is an archaeological site. Mark 6 ends with Jesus moving around cities, farms, etc, and people bring their sick to Him for healing. Chapter 7, as we read last week, opens with some Pharisees. Remember, Pharisees are, or were members of what is now an ancient sect of Judaism, and they were legal scholars. Anyway, some Pharisees come up from Jerusalem, and assuming Jesus is still in the general area of Gennesaret, this was about a hundred miles. Um, walking north from Jerusalem up, um, if you're, again, taking today's roads. and all these cities and regions, Jerusalem, Nazareth, Gennesaret, these are contained within the modern national borders of the, the nation of Israel. Following last week's confrontation with the Pharisees, our reading today tells us that Jesus set off for the region of Tyre on the eastern shore of the Mediterranean Sea. Today, Tyre is one of the world's oldest continuously inhabited cities since sometime around 2700 BCE. So we're talking like 3,000, 4,000 years. I can't math. Long time. And it's within the national borders of Lebanon. If you were walking modern roads, it'd be about 85 miles. But again, that's using Google Maps. So it's taking you north and then west and a little bit south. If you're going point-to-point, like walking over the mountains, it's maybe closer to 40-ish miles on the street, on the map, I don't know Anyway, in today's reading, Jesus then leaves Tyre and returns to the area of the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis, or Decapolis is 10 cities, by way of Sidon, which is actually a detour about 30 miles north along that Mediterranean Sea shore. The Decapolis region Jesus returns to were ten cities on the eastern edge of the Roman Empire, and most of these cities are located in what is today the country of Jordan. Now for those of you who, like me, are more visual or spatial in your geographic placements, much of what I've said probably doesn't make a lot of sense if you can't picture it. That's okay. The point of sharing all of that is to remind us that the stories we read in the Bible aren't fairy tales even though they took place a long time ago in a land far, far away. They are stories of real people in real places, and many of these places continue to be the settings for the stories of real people today, many of whom are the descendants of the people we read about in the Bible. Think about the stories your parents and grandparents told you about their parents and grandparents the stories you tell your kids and your grandkids about your ancestors? And what might be some of the stories that your descendants will someday tell about you? Our stories are shaped by the times and places in which we live and so too are the stories of the people in our scriptures shaped by the times and places in which they lived. If you, unlike me, could follow the mental mapping of what I said a moment ago, you now might be wondering why Jesus headed to the Decapolis region from Tyre by way of Sidon, because that's not close. It'd be like us traveling traveling from here to Philadelphia by way of Williamsport. You're starting off heading in all the wrong directions, but that was not the point. Mark's writer put today's otherwise unrelated stories in geographically distant places next to each other for a reason. But we're not going to explore that reason or reasoning or potential reasoning today. Because in all of this wandering, Jesus spent some time in Tyre. And this is a, at the time, a Gentile area on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea a relatively short boat ride away from the island of Cyprus, where the predominant language was and continues to be Greek. And remember, Jesus is going to be more Aramaic and Hebrew speaking. So while he's here, he encounters a woman identified as Sarah Phoenician, meaning she was from the Phoenicia region near Roman-occupied Syria. Phoenicia itself is another one of those ancient... Places and lost civilization kind of things. Um, Where it was is now largely a part of Lebanon. Um, It is gone but not forgotten because they are remembered in the stories that we pass from generation to generation. And one such story is of this woman approaching Jesus because she has heard about him his teachings, his healings, and she believes, she knows that he can help her, that he can help her daughter who is suffering. And initially, Jesus is not the welcoming, gracious, and compassionate one that we have come to know, the one who on the hillside, when he was trying to get away and rest, took compassion on the crowds and sat and taught among them before feeding them. Instead, this Jesus dismisses her, and rather rudely too, reinforcing ethnic boundaries and degrading the vulnerable woman that is before him asking for help. But she boldly stands before him, and like he challenged the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, she challenges his. It is not her faith, but her reasoning, her logic, that sways him. We are early enough in Mark's gospel that Jesus has not yet declared the good news. Remember in the next story of him making the deaf man to hear, he insists that no one be told, but this woman has discerned the good news that he will proclaim. And she asks, she challenges that the good news is not and will not be for the Jews only, but for all people. There's a Mennonite pastor Melissa Flora Bixler, who writes that she had long felt uncomfortable with Mark's seventh chapter, largely because of this this interaction and Jesus's initial response to the Seraphonician woman. But because of the Mennonite tradition of, and I'm totally going to mispronounce this, Zunius, in which there's an invitation By to the the community, to the congregation, to discern together the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Flora Bixler has come to see this woman's response to Jesus' dismissiveness as an early example of the priesthood of all believers. (laughs) Quick aside for those of you who love irony, think about how much uh, Luther disparaged and said mean things about the Anabaptists, whose descendants include the Mennonites, and how Luther is the one who also first coined the idea and articulated our tradition of the priesthood of all believers. Now take a quick moment to appreciate how a woman is finding this an example of the priesthood of all believers through her Anabaptist tradition. I just really enjoy that. So this unnamed woman now, this from a lost civilization unnamed like so many women in the bible from a culture that no longer exists she is remembered for standing up to jesus for knowing that he was the one who could and would help her we remember her for declaring that jesus was for all for us and for our salvation And for that, we give thanks to God this morning. Amen.